All right, well, good morning. Let's get going, right? I have a lot to say this morning because apparently last time I thought I was going too long and Marie told me that it was not long enough, so I'm going to make up for it. <laughs> I was just kidding. You guys don't have to worry. We, we will be done in the same amount of time. Uh, so we are in the second week of our Vision and Value series. Just a brief review from, from two weeks ago, we touched on the topic of uh, where our name, Restoration, came from. So Restoration came from Psalm 126. And the vision for restoration is to glorify Jesus everywhere. Uh, it's, it's similar to like a mandate or a banner that we always want to keep in front of us and, and fly that, that banner above us at all times. At all times, that, that means all the gatherings, all the meetings, uh, the sermons, you know, the worship songs. is all about Jesus, to glorify Jesus. And also even the kids, the lesson for the kids and such. It's all to lift up Jesus. And all those things should have Jesus as a central element. And it should help point people to Jesus, us, including ourselves, to always remind ourselves to keep Jesus at the forefront. Um, so as I mentioned, so vision is a, uh, two weeks ago, vision is a destination of where we're trying to get to, right? And our values are the ways or the hows that we will lead us to our final destinations. Another way to think about values are the boundary lines for the path that we're on, right? We will know we're on the right path. When we, as a church, stay within the boundary line that God has set up for us. So living out, li li living out these, these three values will help us stay on the path, which in turn will eventually get us to our destination. Unless we're not moving, then we're not going to go anywhere. But if we're moving and we stay within uh, the boundary lines, then we will get to our destination that God has set out for us. And as I said last week, the three values of restoration on number one is uh, it's not like one, two, or three. It's just the first bullet point is to advance his kingdom. Um, two weeks ago, I talked about that's another way of saying that it's for us to share with people about the gospel, share with people within our spheres of influence about Jesus. People put us in different places and in different times and different seasons so he can use us and speak through us. So I don't need to go and talk to the students because I think I was saying that to Ethan. If I were to walk into the school, the kids would think I'm crazy, right? Who is this 47-year-old guy trying to talk to me? But if Ethan can share with other kids, then there will be more of an impact in terms of what Jesus means to him. Uh, we talked about encouraging people to invite people to church, invite them to restoration, or at least invite them to a church so they can learn more about Jesus at the church. So remember, it's all about Jesus. We talked about in John 15, right? Jesus talked about if they don't listen to you, it's because they don't listen to me. So when people turn a deaf ear to, to us, when we share the good news, it's because they don't want to hear about Jesus. If, they, if they're brushing us off, because they're brushing off Jesus. If, you know, Jesus talked about if they're persecuting you, it's because they persecuted me. So remember that. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. Uh, so, so, so don't let the first person that you, that you share the gospel uh, brush you off cause you to not, never ever sharing it again, just remember, they just don't want to hear about Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about you or I. Uh, the advance of the kingdom, you know, I wanted to use an illustration to help us remember and to practically understand. It's like we are in a workplace. We all have to report to someone, right? So just imagine a CEO or a president call you into his office and say, I have a special project for you, a special task for you to do. So when we go back to our desk, our office, do we just put that at the bottom of the stack? 
Obviously not, right? Because the president, the CEO is telling us there's a special task project for you to do. We're probably going to want to keep that in the forefront at all times. So that's what it means in terms of advancing the kingdom and sharing the gospel. Just remember, if in the practical, if our president asks us to do something, I have a project for you specifically, specifically to do. I don't think we're going to brush it off, right? At least I wouldn't. I hope you guys wouldn't either because I know we all are very uh, work with integrity and uh, great workers. Anyway, I think I went on early way too long for this. Uh, so remember, this applies to all Christians, not just restoration, but it's one of the values that we treasure and want to make sure we keep that in front of us at all times. Uh, so the next bullet is live out the authentic biblical community, the local church, which I will talk about today. I will get to it. Uh, and the third bullet point is to live passionately for Jesus and his presence. Uh, Vanessa, we're going to share on that next Sunday. You're committed now, honey. Uh, she didn't know if she was going to share or not, but she's committed now. It's, uh, it's out there. So remember, this is for all of us, for every single person at Restoration. The three values that you see up there, they are, they're equally important. So it's not one is more than the other. They all need to be in place. And, and these are the, the boundary lines that God has given to Restoration. Again, you know, to help guide us to reach our destination. Remember, like in, in Psalm 16, verse 6, right? The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Can you go to the next one? The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. So as we stay within these boundary lines, that's a sweet spot for us. That's where God wants us, specifically restoration, to be. And surely we will have a delightful inheritance. And keep that in mind. So these three points, three bullet points, do seem fairly generic and simple, but they do require enormous faith and discipline. I want to encourage each and every one of us to keep that in mind and stay within these boundary lines um, and, and incorporate that into our daily lives. And I think when you do that, when we do that, we will agree that it's simple and generic, but it does require a lot of faith and discipline for us to always let these three points come through and let these three points be the boundary lines for our lives, both Mondays through Fridays and the weekends. All right, so uh, the local church, the authentic biblical community. Let's talk about the importance of everyone here at Restoration to the importance of all of us to live as how the church was designed to function, to live according to what Scripture has to say about how the authentic local church should look right? I know we grow up, we have grown up with churches around us all the time, but what the scripture has to say about what the local church should be like. So I want to preface by saying that we can spend five, ten weeks or more talking about the many different aspects uh, within the topic of a local church. So for this morning, I would try to touch on just the um, basic foundational aspect of the local church. So here we go. So firstly, what was the church created for, right? We need to know what was it created for. It's from Ephesians 3, verse 10 and 11. His intent, God's intent, his intent was that now through the church, it's a key word, right? I think I, can you go to the next one? Through the church. Through the church. The manifold wisdom of God. So God's intent was through the church. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God's intent was that through the church, 
that his, when we talk about the manifold wisdom, we're talking about his power, his glory, his, um, his grace, and everything. That he's intending to let people see that through the church. And that's a key word right there. And that's how he is building his church, through each of us. He's working through each of us that we've been brought from various places in different backgrounds, you know, different uh, generation age-wise to come together to form restoration. So for whatever reason, which for me personally, I don't understand it. Why would God want to use us and work through us, right, to show his glory? He can just snap his finger and everyone can see his glory and his power just as easily, right? This is the God who spoke things into existence. But his intent was that through the church, that other people can see his manifold wisdom and his glory and his power, his perfect love and his everlasting grace through us. So when we look at the church and as we're part of a local church, it's a privilege. It is an incredible privilege that God, the almighty God, wants to use us and work through us. Let his power flow through us. That's amazing, isn't it? If we stop and think about that. That, that is his intent. That was his original intent. That is still his intent now, and that is his intention in the future. So keep that in mind when we think about all the problems and the issues with the church. Yes, I think we're being honest when we say there are a lot of issues and problems within the church in general, right? The big church in general. But when we have the correct understanding of what the church should be, then we can do it correctly according to God's design. Not according to, well, the business model say this. You know, there's a, I'm going to probably offend someone. I'm sure I will. There's, you know, there's a business model saying there's a board of directors, so we need to set up like that. You know, this business has been doing so well. No, what does God have to say within Scripture in terms of how the church should function? And if, if we follow that, we will be okay. And, and the next thing is, I'm going to try to move really fast, so hopefully you can stay with me. So how does, God, how does he show his manifold wisdom through the church, right? Like I said, by bringing people from all walks of life. It has to be people from many different backgrounds, from different generations. Bringing together people who are obedient to him, trusting in him, and, and trusting him so then he can work through us because obviously we all would like to be a part of a humongous big church with elaborate worship, right, lights and sounds and lots of free giveaways and, and lots of people are doing things already. It will be easier, right? It will be easier, it will be more fun and like pay professional church leaders. But he's calling us here because we all trust in him and obeying the things that he's calling us to be. That's why we're here because he is intentional in bringing his people together in this time, in this place to restoration because he's bringing very different people together, very different gifting together with different interests, with different strengths and weaknesses. I'm saying, what I'm saying is he's intentionally bringing each and every one of us here because he is building his church, right? He is building his church. Jesus is building his church because his intention is to work through the church and he is building his church. We can see that from Matthew 16. Uh, Liam, can you go to the next one? Oh, very nice. You're on it. Matthew 16 verse 18. I think we all have seen this. I want to touch briefly on this verse when Jesus said, and I, Jesus is telling this, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So 
for those of you who may not be familiar, so this is when Jesus asked Simon, son of John, who do you say I am? Not what other people say. Who do you say I am? So Simon said, you are the Messiah. You are the son of God. And he said, this could only be revealed to you by my father. And then he went on to say, Jesus went on to say, and I tell you that you are Peter. So Jesus gave him a new name, Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. So on this rock, meaning this revelation. So Simon had this revelation within him that Jesus is the Messiah, is the Son of God. So just the same with us, when we have this revelation that Jesus is the Son of God, that's when Jesus is grabbing that rock. Same thing as the revelation of who Jesus is. And he's putting all these different rocks together, just like he's putting Gavin next to Marie, next to Anthony, next to Anna, putting all of us together because of our revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. So the church, that is how Jesus is building his church, by grabbing different people with different revelations and putting each of us together. So it was not built by Peter. Some people mistakenly think that, well, the church was built on the foundation of who Peter is. No, it's not built by the Pope. It's not built by anybody. It's not built by Paul or any human king or any government. It's the church is being built by Jesus. So restoration wasn't created or birth because I thought it was a good idea to start a church. In addition to having a full-time job, managing a team of people, having three little kids, being married, no. It's not a good idea. It shouldn't be our good idea. Just an FYI, if someone ever asks you if it's a good idea to start a church, you should say no. <laughs> Speaking from experience, emphatic no. However, but if they're saying that, I believe God is calling me to join this church or to plant a church, or to, why don't you partner with me because God's calling us to go somewhere. That's when we say, yes, go for it. Because we know he is the only one that is building his church. So just an FYI, I just wanted to say that. And I want to emphasize the importance of the church itself. It shouldn't be our idea or my idea or Gavin's idea or Vanessa's idea. It's God's idea, right? His intention is to use the church through the church to show people his power and his glory. So he's the one who birthed the church. He's the one who's building his church through us, his people. So we see that his intention we see that he's building his church, he created a church, and he alone is building his church through his people. And we need to remind ourselves of that and embrace the difference, the differences within the church, within restoration, right? Embrace and celebrate the difference. Because through our differences, that's how God is showing the world his power and his glory, through the different people. Because someone will walk in here and try to say, well, why are you guys here together? You are very different. You came from very different places. You have nothing in common. But we do because of our obedience in Jesus and who he is and trusting that he wants to use us so we can learn and grow in our understanding of who Jesus is. And the reason that he's bringing different people together is, is um, because he wants to use a different gifting to show everyone else who he is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, uh, 12 to 14, it says, Just as a body through one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. So we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, we're all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made of one part, but of many. So it speaks to the different gifting and different people that God and Jesus is gathering together for this, to form one body. 
So as we obediently come together, bring forth our gifting, at the same time, encourage each other and strengthen each other, learn from each other, and we allow God to make known, right? When we allow God to work through us, allow the Holy Spirit to grab hold of us and show us, enlighten us, and, and follow through on the revelation that we've been given and, and exercise the gifting that we have, then he will be able to work through the church to make known to the rulers and the authorities of his manifold wisdom through the church. So the more we understand who God is and how he has made us different, differently, so those different gifting, strength, personalities will shine more brightly because we come to understand he's using us and putting us together. And as we learn from each other, we will shine even more. Learn from our, our, our strength and, and the things that we have gone through together. You know, for someone who's new in business, can talk to someone who's been in business for a long time. So you can grow together. Someone who uh, is, uh, doesn't know how to pray can speak to someone who's been praying for, like Marie, you know, all her life. And she can just give them tips and hints of how to go about it, to intercede for people, to see prophetically for people. So that's how the manifold wisdom of God will be seen. Because God wants to use us. Very imperfect, maybe for me. I'm not speaking for you guys. Very imperfect vessels. God wants to use us so then people will realize, oh, wow, who is this mighty God that can make you, well, me, make me able to say and do these things? That is why he wants to use us through the church. And he's given us many gifts. He's given us many gifts. So it's not, he just doesn't bring us together. It's like, well, you guys work it out. And once you guys work it out, I'll come back. No. He's given us many gifts. So as we come together, he's given many gifts. And I want to briefly touch on that. I don't know if I wrote it down on the slide there. But he's given us many like supernatural and natural gifts so we can stand out from the crowd and share with people who is the real living God. It's not a false God. It's not an absentee God who is just kind of there while we kind of work things out on our own. No, our Father has given us many different gifts that in the natural Gifts from various, um, we can see that throughout scriptures in the Old Testament and New Testament. People who are patient, creative, you know, quiet, talkative people, articulate people, people who, who are outgoing, people who are um, analytical. Those are the gifts coming from, the, sometimes people might say the grace, from, grace gifting, but it's the same thing. It's a gift from the Father. Jesus also gave us the church gift. It's from Ephesians chapter 4. If you have been here a few times, you may have heard that before, Ephesians chapter 4. The five gifting to build up and encourage the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And that's why we want to invite people to come into restoration with a recognized gifting in these five areas. We are to grow from it, to learn from it. You know, if someone, an example is someone with a strong prophetic gifting that will allow us to learn from that person and use that in our day-to-day -day lives and speak prophetically into those around us. Or so someone who's a strong evangelistic gifting, we can learn from that and be a better evangelist ourselves. Uh, and also gifts from the Holy Spirit. You know, I know this is an area where a lot of people are talking about, but gifts, Father, our Father gave us gifts. Jesus also gave us gifts. And same thing with the Holy Spirit, which is 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Discernment, tongues, interpretations, miracles, faith, healing, wisdom, prophecy, and word of knowledge. Right, so God has given us many, I don't have time to go specifically into each of these gifting, but God has given us many incredible supernatural and natural gifts for us to exercise and use. So 
So a lot of time when we think we just go to church so I can feel better about myself. No, the local church is so, so much more than that, right? As we can see, God's intention is to establish the church. It's not because someone 2,000, a year, 2000 years ago thought it was a good idea. It wasn't Paul's idea. It was God's idea, right? And Jesus is building his church by bringing his people together. And he's given us gifts, many different gifts. So how, so we have, you know, we talk about how we're different, how we belong to the kingdom of God. So let's use these gifts and these possessions that we have by belonging to the kingdom of God. Because when you belong to the kingdom of God, you have something different, right? For example, if, if um, I'm just trying to come up with an illustration on the top of my head, maybe I shouldn't um, because I need to think it through. But it's, it's, it's the same thing as, for example, right? Liam can say, I belong to this household of my mom and my dad. This is what they know. This is what they're going to impart to me. So he can say that in terms of other people, like uh, Bella could say, hey, I belong to Sue's household. So this is what I know. This is what I have. So we, when we say we belong to the kingdom of God, recognize what God has given us so we can tap into it and take advantage of it and use it. Use it to the fullest potential and apply that into our everyday lives, right? Don't you want to have the prophetic gifting to be able to see to see what's coming up in the future, to get a glimpse of the future that God has for us? Come on. Yes? Yes. Right? That's just an example. So we talk about the intention of the church. Who's building the church? Right? The diverse gifting of, uh, within the church. So what does the local church should look like? What does the local church should look like? It's in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Am I going too fast? No? Okay. I feel like I'm going too fast. It's like so much I want to get out. And, uh, so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And then at the last verse, 47, it says, And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. So, as we can see, they, as in everyone, Right? Everyone within the church, not just the leaders, they devoted themselves. Devoted. I, I think we all understand what the term devoted means, right? When I'm devoted to you, I'm committed to you. I'm all in. I'm completely devoted. So each person is devoted themselves to these things. And that's, the description doesn't just apply to 2,000 years ago. And these guys, as we've gone through the creation of the church, the intention of the church, who's building the church, so... It wasn't because the disciples just felt, oh, wow, let's, we have a lot of people believing in Jesus now, so let's come up with a model. No. The model was created and designed by church. So the description of the church shouldn't change with the time. It shouldn't change with the technology. It should help it, but it shouldn't change with it, right? So the description of the church should apply 2,000 years ago. It should also apply now, and it should apply 2,000 years from now, or whenever Jesus comes back. So let's go through that really quickly, like, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? That's Sunday gatherings. And Ephesians 4 weekends, when, when, they, when we invite people in to help and learn more about the gifting within the local church. Fellowships, that's connect groups. Fellowship is when people are coming together, building relationships, getting to know each other, learning more about who we are, and praying for each other. Breaking up bread, that's meals with each other, right? Individual, getting together, gathering together. So when you see, um, we, we, when we reach out to each other, when we reach, out, we reach out to you guys, we just want to know. We want to get to know you. There's no agenda behind that. So if you, if you feel, oh, man, 
Hugh, the church leader, is trying to get in touch with me. What does he want? What did I do wrong now? No. Breaking of bread. Okay, just remember that. Keep that in mind. And, and, and yourself, feel free to reach out to other people because that's how we build. That's how we get to know each other. That's how we can learn about each other. Um, I was thinking about this morning when I was talking about breaking of bread, right? It's easy to be something else when we're not around our family, right? I can be uh, this hyper, super, you know, outgoing kind of guy. But when you get together with that person, with his family, his family knows him best. So if he's acting a certain way, you will know. So the reason I use that example of breaking bread within our families is that's how we get to know each other. Because when we just see someone on the street or just within like two or five minutes meeting, you can never really get to know them. So when we get together and breaking bread together, that's when we get to know each other. Then we can help each other, encourage each other, strengthen each other, learn from each other. So that's, what's, that's why it's important for us to get together within the church, for within, people within the church. And prayer and praising God. Prayer and worship. Prayer and worship. I think you guys, if you guys have been here long enough, you know that I love worship. I actually have only been to one concert my whole life. Seriously. I love worship, though. But I haven't been able to go. But there is something about worshiping God. Something about singing to someone who's not us. To singing to someone who's not even other people. When people gather and worship God, as you can see, his presence will come through. He'll speak to us. He'll reveal things to us. And that's why I was saying earlier this morning is when during the worship time, if you felt something, you felt a little tugging or, or God is reminding us of something or suddenly we felt we get to know more of who God is, that's what it means when we pray and worship. And that's why it's important for us to also have corporate prayer uh, once a month too because God is trying to speak to us and through us of what's going on. So I want to go back to Acts. Uh, they devoted themselves. I want to encourage you guys. This is for everyone, each and every one of us, because we want to follow the model of the, this church according to scriptures, right? So that's what we want to do. That means everyone devote themselves. It's not an 80-20 rule. You guys know the 80-20? You, some of you know 80-20 rule? Okay. So the 80-20 rule is it's typically in business. That means 20 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Or 20% of the clients will draw 80% of the revenues. 80% of the clients will only draw 20% of the revenues. That's pretty much how things in general work. Even within the team setting, if you ever work within the team of business of, of multiple people, 20% of the people will do 80% of the work. 80% of the people will do 20% of the work. So anyway, what I'm trying to say is that's not how the church should operate. Each and every one of us. So it applies to us. So when I was talking about the three values in terms of advancing the kingdom, they were devoted to advancing the kingdom, everyone, um, in terms of like living out the local church, each and every one of us was living out the local church. And the same thing about living passionately for Jesus. Because when we, each and every one of us, do that, God will show the world his glory and his power and his perfect love through the church. Through the church, people will get to see more of who he is. Not through the leaders of the church. Not through the few mature Christians. Through the whole church. Through each of us individually and through all of us together, corporately. Right? So if I can sum up the life of the local church by using a, a sport analogy. I think you guys know I love, 
I, I love movie actions and, and sports. So we're going to talk about sports. Yeah, I, I think you guys are sick of movie, um, action movies now, so I'm going to use sports from now on. So uh, the church is, think of it like, um, <laughs> so Sundays are kind of like halftime. Think of it that way. Sunday mornings are like halftime. This is when we gather as a team to, to remind ourselves of the game plan, right? This is when the whole team gather to hear from the coach, with the coach being Jesus, the coach being God. So the, the coach, God, wants us to gather together to be refreshed, to be encouraged, to be envisioned, and to give us further details of what to do. Further details, a deeper understanding for the game plan that we have. Right? And then corporate prayer and, and connect groups are like timeouts during the game. Right? If, if you guys ever play some sport games, you see timeouts, play, the players just kind of gather on the sideline for a little bit. Really quickly, 30 second times out, two minutes timeout. That's what corporate prayer and connect groups are like. So this is when we just need a quick break. Quick break from the intensity of the game, right? The game of life. So we can be refreshed and encourage each other through prayers. Uh, be reminded again of what team we're on. Right? Because when we, if you guys are familiar, when you take time out, you kind of go to your own sideline, right? You don't just go to the other team's sideline. So when you go to your own sideline, you can be reminded again, oh, these are my people. These are my teammates. These are the, the, the people on my same team. We're on God's team. And be reminded of what we're playing for, right? We're playing to win souls. We're playing for eternal life. That's what we're playing for. Was that too serious? But that's what it is. It's to win souls. It's not a fun things to do. It's not a good idea thing to do. There's eternal implication to what we're doing. So game time will be like every other day, right? Mondays through Fridays, the weekends. So those days, Mondays through Saturdays are the time that we're in the game, that we're in the game, that we're executing the plans that God has for us, that we're living out the things that God has given us, blessed us with, revealed to us, and shown us. That's when we're executing the game plans that we um, that, anyway, you guys know what I mean. So I use the term game, but it's, as I said, it's so much more. It's so much more than a game, right? It's a game with eternal consequences. It's a game that affects generations. Seriously, generations. Because when you help someone bring salvation to someone, they will impact their kids. And when their kids will know about Jesus, and their kids will teach about their kids, kids about Jesus. So generations, that's what we're talking about. Not just, oh, my buddies. So we've been selected by God to be on his team. And he has put us together on the same team, right? Team restoration. So I want to um, share some practical applications, hopefully that will help uh, all of us to how to put this into practice, right? Again, we talk about devoting, prioritize, prioritize devote Sunday meetings. That's half times. That's when we come together to be reminded again of who we are. Be refreshed and be encouraged. Learn more about the game plan that God has for us for the week. Connect groups, corporate prayer times. That's the same thing, to be reminded again. Oh, okay, thank you, God. I have eternal life. I'm confident. I'm the child of God. The things that I hear during the week is not going to impact me. It's not going to affect me. It's not going to change my identity because I am found in Jesus. Jesus is in me, the hope of glory, right? So number two is fellowship. We talked about this, breaking of bread, encourage each other, get together. Because when we get together, we can talk about each other, get to know each other. I know it's, um, it took me a while to get over this because, you know, being vulnerable for a guy is not easy, right? Am I being honest? Am I the only guy that don't like being vulnerable? Okay. All right. 
So, so, thanks. So, uh, so you know, when we get together with people, after a while, we can't just have this mask up anymore. So when we are able to break down the barrier, then we can share, then we can learn from each other, encourage each other, and then receive encouragement. And receive wisdom that people have, or even like help, right? Be able to ask for help, receive help, whether it's uh, finance or prayers or time or what have you. Um, so encourage each other, breaking bread, fellowship, reach out to each other. And number three, learn, learn about and exercise the gift from God, gift from our Father. If you know someone that naturally is very well articulate, hang out with them. Because as you hang out with them, you're going to catch some of the things that they have. And it will help you, us, to be more articulate, right? The same things when you hang out with someone who's very creative, right? Suddenly you realize, oh, I'm catching some of that, so I can be a little bit more creative also. Same thing as you hang out with someone who's very neat, right? And then it helps you to, oh, that's how you organize your kitchen. That's awesome. I can do that. I can do the same. It's just, that's what it is. It's the same thing. It's when we learn about each other, when we fellowship, then we can learn about this gifting. So the same thing with the prophetic. You can ask someone, hey, what does it mean? And whoever has, is really gifted can share with us and allow us to see more of that and teach that to our kids, our friends, and our families. I know I was going on and on, but I want to emphasize that the gift, we are brought together for a purpose. God wants us to tap into each other and use the gifting that God has for us. Going back to the illustration that I used earlier about a president and a CEO, I think we all work, right? We all report to someone. A CEO, you don't. You come to my office. Uh, that was, you guys know I was just kidding, right? Um, so I, go, I actually, I need to go to her office. So let, using an example of the president or the CEO that call you up and, tell, and, and will tell you, hey, I have a special project for you. It's priority number one. And here's this humongous budget that you can tap into to carry out this project. Would we not tap into that budget in order to accomplish the project that we've been given? So the illustration I was using is to say that the budget that we receive is the gift that God wants to give us, right? He's giving us all these gifts so when we can carry out this project that he has given for us, that he has commissioned us, and he's given us this humongous budget to accomplish the project that he has given us. So if we don't tap into that budget, it will be extremely difficult, if not impossible, right, to carry out this project that we have. So that's why it's important for us to understand what God has given us, what we have within the church, what we have within each other, and learn about it so then we can exercise it and walk fully into it. Just a, an example is uh, a few years ago, um, a while ago, you know, I, I had an opportunity and a job, but as I was praying about it, I realized this is not for me. This is not it. This is not what God has for me. And I didn't accept the job, which is awesome because I am here. Uh, I took another job because I felt that's what God has for us. Allow me to do this. So I, 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 that was a really bad example. But what I was trying to say is, Hear from God because he wants to show us the way so then we can walk fully into the things that he has for us. So it's the same thing as if we are to carry out the project. You've been given a humongous budget to use. Why would you not use it, right? Don't you want to know where the budget is, right? 
just using that example, look, whoa, you gave me this humongous budget. How do I, how do I use it? Where is it? Who do I go to? That's the same thing. So that was a very long illustration for, for a quick blurb about learning and exercising the gifts that we've been given, given to the church and each of us. I'm going to be done soon, just so you guys know. I know just in case you've fallen asleep. I was trying to make up for, for two weeks ago. And last week also, trying to make up for last week since we didn't have church. So we still have another 30 minutes to go. Uh, so when we, all of us, are devoted, each and every one of us, know about what the church is, the intention of the church, who's building the church, when we all, all of us, are devoted to doing these things, we will finally be able to operate as a conduit for God's manifold wisdom to work through us and into those around us so that they can see who God is and why we talk the talk and why we live and why we walk the walk. So remind ourselves, again, the local church is not a place to go for Sunday morning. That's not it. There's so much more to it, right? So we as individuals make up the local church and we go into the week, into our workplace. Um, and, you know, when we get together with friends and families and neighbors, we're still part of a local church. Just imagine it's like it's being stretched out, right? But God is still working through us. He's still stretching us out and working through us to impact people around us. And we're being held together by the Holy Spirit. And if, every Sunday, we will come back again for halftime. So remember that. Just because we go away from, from, from this morning, church, doesn't mean that we're leaving church, so to speak. So remember, outside of Sunday mornings, that's halftime. So this is when each of us should come even more alive, right? We're in the game now. After Sunday, we go back into game time. The clock is ticking. The clock kind of paused a little bit on Sunday morning, if you can just understand what I'm saying about halftime and, and timeouts. But then once we enter back into the game, that's when the clock is ticking. That's when we're executing, right? If you know sports, I think all of us do. That's when we are come alive even more and do the things that God has given us to do, right? If you, if you play soccer, if you're a defender, and you go back into the game, you're going to be defending, right? But if you just kind of go back into the game and say, like, wow, this is a good game going on. Why don't you just go ahead and take the ball right by? Our team will suffer by that. And I, I don't mean to say that to put pressure on. I just realized. I don't mean to say that to put pressure on you guys. But God's calling us together to execute the game plan together for all of us. And then that will allow people to see the light within us. That will allow people to see the Jesus within us, right? Jesus in me, the hope of glory. It's a very profound statement if we really think about that. So I'm ending, for real. Here you go. I want to end by saying this. So Jesus is a church builder. That's a reminder for each and every one of us. If you guys missed that this morning, Jesus is building his church, and he's the one who's building his church. Restoration was birthed and established and created in the spiritual realm by God long, long before the idea that came to us or to me or to you guys about joining Restoration. God has a plan, and his intention is to use each and every one of us. So it was not an accident. It's not a coincidence. Oh, I just happened to know so-and-so, so that's why I've been visiting, and now I joined you guys. Or I just found you guys because I was looking up a church in the middle of the night. No. There is an intentionality of what God is doing and brought us together for this time, for this season. So there's no accident. So his intention for restoration, actually, if I can say it's the same as all the other churches. So people everywhere can witness and see his manifold wisdom through us. Think about that. It is an incredible 
honor and privilege that each of us have been handpicked by the almighty God himself and brought together for this special task, for this purpose. So we want to carry out that task, carry out the purpose that God has given us, right? You don't want that, that, that special project to just sit on your desk while you go about your days, right? At least we, I don't want to, and I don't think you guys want to either. So, and then he wants to equip us, remember that, the local church for the supernatural gifts for this. So he's given us many gifts. Again, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We can talk more in depth uh, uh, later on if you, if you have questions. And remind and encourage each other to devote ourselves to this incredible, marvelous plan that God has set out before us for his church, for the local church. Right? So again, the church is not just a community. It's just one of the many reasons for the existence of the local church. So the church is not just a community of people getting together. There's so much more to it than that, right? Jesus, the God himself, created all things, is building his church. It's a place for us to grow in our maturity in Christ, right? To learn, to get along with each other, treat each other with honor, with love, and forgiveness, and grace, right? Because this is a place where the Spirit of God exists. If we're not able to treat each other with love, and honor, and respect, and forgiveness, Definitely, we cannot do that outside the church, right? I mean, if I can speak honestly so, and, and be transparent with each other. If we cannot be transparent, transparent with each other here, we cannot be transparent out there. If we're not able to be transparent out there, people will not see the light within us, the Jesus, the hope of glory that we have within us. And also, the church exists so that we can learn about the many different supernatural gifting of God. Learn about it. Use it. Don't be afraid. Using the illustration I use about the special project and the budget, don't be afraid of the money that you have to spend. Right? I mean, <laughs> was that too... Uh... Okay, anyway, so you guys, you guys know what I'm trying to say. Because I would use all of it. I don't know about you guys, but I use all of it to make things easier. So I can accomplish my project much quicker and more fun, right? Amen? So, so that's God's incredible plan for the local church. So when we talk about the church, it's not about, oh, I go on Sunday morning so I can feel good about myself and go about my day. There's so much more to it, being a part of a local church, being part of God's plan and his plans and his purpose for us. So let's encourage and remind each other of that so when we, all of us can practically, practically, live out what the church was created and designed to be, God's glory and his love and his power will be seen by others, corporately and individually. So remember, his intention for the church will be fully manifested and seen by the world. We need to have a correct understanding and functioning of the local church in order to do that. So then when we do that, people will see signs and wonders Right? People will come to acknowledge that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. And then God will bring them together and build on those rocks to build his church. So that's when Jesus is lifted up and glorified. That's what we always want to do. So when we put these things regarding the local church into practice and make it our reality every day, not just on Sunday morning, every day, every day of the week, Jesus will be then be glorified. So that's just one of the values for us, one of the, the boundary lines for us that God has given to restoration. Living out the authentic biblical community. So let's get to know our boundary lines. 
right? Advancing the kingdom, the local church. Get to know our boundary lines. And next week is living passionately for Jesus and his presence. What is it like to live passionately for him? And stay within those boundary lines, right? Trust in those boundary lines, right? Because God has given us these boundary lines so that we can be in pleasant place. We can be in a pleasant place. That's our sweet spot, right? Have you guys heard? You want to stay, we want to stay within our sweet spot, right? We don't want to do things that we're not supposed to do. We don't want to do things that we're not meant to do. Stay within the boundary lines. Stay within the sweet spot. And we will be able to advance, go toward the goal, the destination that God has set up for us. And that's when, together, we will see the glory of Jesus being lifted up everywhere. So, amen.